You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You can feel it in the air. Football is here. And it's it's about to get fun. It's crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh on a Monday here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 in Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. Five days away from meaningful college football. The man, the myth, the legend. No. The co-host extraordinaire and just a downright average dude is my producer and co-host, Mr. James Mesh. James, what's up, buddy? You started off so well. <laughs> then you ended with just hey, I had to, he's average. So I had to there there was there was a method to the madness. So what I had to do was I had to pump you up, right? And get you, and then just you know, throw you on the ground, cloud, and stomp on you with my feet. Cloud seven, just you know, chilling, and then bring you back to reality. You're this great producer, great co-host, but an average dude who who, who gets mad that I would rather go do a work event than <laughs> a fantasy football draft. That's fine. You're you're an average dude. I decided to be unselfish, and then I got smacked in the face. Yeah. Yeah, you did for it. Okay, and, and I don't feel sorry for it either. I don't. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep note of that. <laughs> so we got a stacked show for you today on a Monday edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Of course, at 4:30, we're gonna do Tiger Talk with Wilson Alexander. We've got audio from LSU student athletes, and we've also got Saints sound, Saints roster predictions. And a preview of the Alabama Crimson Tide. But of course, if it's not the 30-minute hours, 30-minute segments on either the 4 o'clock hour or the 5 o'clock hour, the hotline is wide open. 337-706-0111 if you want to get in on the action. Week 0 games, we'll talk about those as well. Like what we saw don't like some of the things we saw. We'll talk about all of that. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. James, the Saints played over the weekend 27-10. to They took down the Los Angeles Chargers. And I, I, I'm just going to say that there was a couple of players that stood out to me. Mark Ingram looked great. Mark Ingram looked great. Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston both looked really good too. But a guy that I really want to hit on, and I'm going to be very angry if he doesn't make the roster, is one Mr. Kirk Merritt. I completely agree. He's just that dude. You can put him at wide receiver. You can put him on special teams. You can even flex him out at running back. Yeah. Like, the whole thing about the Saints is they want versatility. That's literally what he does. Right. He's so versatile. 
the Saint, the Saints spread the love in terms of receiving Friday night. I mean, Callaway, four catches for 65 yards. Jarvis Landry, two catches for 35. Kirk Merritt, four for 30, for 32. And the touchdown, Lucas Crawl four for 24. Chris Olave, one for 19. Abram Smith, right before he gets cut, one for 16. I mean, they spread the lo- Tony Jones even got the action a couple of times. But, man, looking at the quarterbacks, I mean, Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston combined for 9 for 9 for 130 yards. I mean, neither one of them threw a touchdown, but neither one of them threw an interception either. So, take take what you can get. And then Ian Book, you know, you and I talked about this off the air, and it, it pains me to say this because Ian Book has bothered me so much this preseason. He's gotten a little bit better every game. I've been saying that. But and, everybody's like, huh. and. He's gotten better playing for the USFL. And, you know, Friday night against Sandy, I mean, L.A., he, I mean, 11 for 15, 81 yards and a touchdown. He only got sacked once. Then he also carried it seven times for 50 yards. I mean, he he didn't look bad. It wasn't bad. It hurts. Yeah. He he wasn't bad. (laughs) I, I I think he did enough Friday night to say he's not going anywhere. Because if you there, do let no him go, leave, there's no way you leave him off the roster. There's no way. Because when you look at it, if you let him go, I mean, he's not the best quarterback, but there are other there are other teams that have not good situations that would like him as right. number three as well. Well, here's here's the other thing. Let, let's be totally frank about one thing. Name a third string quarterback in the NFL that is good. There aren't really any. Exactly my point. None of them are good. But you might as well stick with your guy that you already know that you've been developing since last year. Absolutely. Uh, which I think that's exactly why Ian Book ends up making the roster. But we'll get to that in our number two. Another thing that I want to get to comes from the college ranks, and that's the University of Michigan. So Nick Saban was coined quite famously, and and this is a famous quote, but Nick Saban seems to be the one that everybody refers to when they hear this quote when you play two quarterbacks or when you run a two quarterback system you really have none and it's true you never get any continuity you never get any rhythm familiarity anything like that Jim Harbaugh now for some backstory for people that may not follow Michigan super closely Cade McNamara led the Michigan offense last season through for 2,576 yards, 15 touchdowns, and 6 interceptions. And in that time frame, led Michigan to a Big Ten championship and the college football playoff. So there's the backstory. We'll get to the story after we go to the game hotline, 337-706-0111. We welcome in Jay on this Monday. Jay, what's up? Uh, could you uh, reread um, Inbook's stat line again? From Friday night? Yes. He went 11 for 15 for 81 yards and a touchdown. And also ran the ball seven times for 50 yards. Seven for 50? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so he averaged about uh, under six yards uh, a pass? Right? Five, 5.4, yep. Uh, that's not good, man. Uh, another thing, too, why not? why not go with two quarterbacks? I don't understand why why carry three for the simple fact that you can always you can always pick them up. It's not like 
So you're saying a team's going to pick him up? Just put him on a uh, – why not? You know, you can have more depth at a position instead of the quarterback. Now, I understand that with Jameis coming from an injury, that's why you might carry him. But um, I think it's going to be one of those situations where he's going to – you know, he might make the active roster. He's going to go right back to the training squad. You know, you're going to see a lot of that this year with him. So they want to try to guarantee him. I, I don't – I don't know, man. I just think uh, I'm like a lot of people in the area. I think it was a wasted pick. You know, a fourth-round pick could have went somewhere. But, hey, he's on the team. But I, I went, it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't make the um, the 53. But if he uh, – because, you know, I don't know. Yeah, like wouldn't... a running back. Um, what you think was going to happen on a running back? And uh, y'all, thank y'all for taking my call. Y'all have a good one. Appreciate you, Jay. So for running back, I mean, we'll get into it later, but I'll go ahead and, and, and say my thoughts on the running back. I think you I think you carry four running backs. I think you go Kamara, Ingram, Tony Jones, and Dwayne Washington. And then you also carry a, a fullback in Adam Prentice. And, you know, like I said, we'll get into the other positions later, but I think you go three quarterbacks, four running backs. And again, I, I don't necessarily disagree with Jay in, in the fact that you know, Ian Book may have been a waste to pick, and we may not need to keep him on the roster. I get that. But every team is going to need a third quarterback for security. And from where I'm coming from, it makes a lot more sense to keep the guy that's been in your system already instead of trying to teach another guy your system. Because there's going to be one of the 32 teams in the league that need a third-string quarterback and Ian Book floating out on the waiver wire for 48 hours, they're going to pick him up. You can't cut him. As much as I would be okay with cutting him, you can't. Because you're he would not return. Even to your he would not return to your practice squad. No shot. So that's where I stand on that. I, again, I, I don't necessarily disagree with Jay's points, but I just don't see a way that you cut him. Let's go back to the hotline, 706-0111. Reynolds calling in. Reynolds, what's up, man? Oh, not too much. Hey, listen, you know, I, I, I'm going to agree to disagree with you. Listen, this is how I see it. Ian Book is a third-string quarterback, okay? Absolutely. Now, if, if push comes to shove and we're in the same situation we were last year, you have Taysom Hill right there. Taysom Hill is an upgrade from uh, Ian Book. If it comes, push comes to shove, and we go through uh, Jameis Winston and um, what's his other face? Um, Andy Dalton. The redhead. Dalton. I mean, you know, they may even call him up to, be, to back up uh, uh, Taysom Hill. But Taysom Hill, I would think, would slide into that because he's a much better quarterback than Ian Book. So, I mean, to me, I'd rather let him go and maybe even get another offensive lineman uh, in case something happens for depth. I mean, because you already have depth at quarterback with Taysom. I'll get off and let y'all talk about that. Appreciate the call. So, I don't disagree with you. I, I don't. However, Dennis Allen has said multiple times, and he's going to continue to say it, 
he doesn't want to use Taysom Hill's quarterback. He does not. You may throw him out there for a couple of players to to do his Taysom Hill thing. There's there's a reason but, there's a reason that Taysom Hill is no longer listed as a quarterback on the depth chart. They do not want to use him in that role. And they're going to avoid it at all cost. I'm not saying that this is the move that I would make, but I'm just preparing Saints fans now. Ian Book will remain on the 53-man roster tomorrow. I'm making predictions to be right, not because this is my personal thought or um, how I would do it. I'm it, I'm basing on how the history has looked and looking at the rest of the, the depth chart and the roster. If it was my personal thought, we would have signed Tom Brady two years ago. But that's not how this works. Ian Book's going to make the roster. Whether you agree with it or not, that's just that's what it's going to be. They're not going to play Taysom Hill at quarterback unless they absolutely have to. And even then, they might consider going to their emergency quarterback situation, which is now Jarvis Landry. Because for people that might not remember, Jarvis Landry played quarterback in high school. So you, you have two emergency quarterbacks now. You have Jarvis Landry and you have Alvin Kamara. Both played quarterback in high school. So, they might even go there before going to Taysom Hill. I'm, I'm kidding, but you, you get my point. Anyways, going back to the Michigan story. So, again, you play two quarterbacks, you have none. Cade McNamara had a good year last year, won Michigan a Big Ten championship, put them in the playoff for the first time under Jim Harbaugh. On Saturday... Jim Harbaugh released a statement saying both quarterbacks have played great, done everything they could, and in every way to win starting job. Coming out of camp, I just feel like we have two quarterbacks that we feel very confident that can win a championship with either of those two behind center. So, Cade McNamara will start week one against Colorado State. And then J.J. McCarthy will start the second game against Hawaii. And then a decision on a permanent starter will be made after week two. So I have a couple of questions. Number one, I understand J.J. McCarthy is this, you know, pretty toy that you just got that you want to use. I understand. That's exactly what you did last year, though. McNamara started, and you had packages for McCarthy. But you didn't use McCarthy enough, so you redshirted him. So he's still a freshman. McNamara's a senior. Now, I'm not a big fan of seniority, but if you do some math, McNamara plays his final year, and you still have three years of J.J. McCarthy. Then you can't play a quarterback, because hypothetical, and James, I want your opinion on this when I bring this in. Say Say Cade McNamara in that opening game throws for, I mean, they're playing Colorado State, so that's that's obviously a, a skewed Say he throws for 405 touchdowns. Yeah, like a really good day. Hey, great game. Next week you're on the bench. What? That makes no sense. Now, I I get it if you're confident in both quarterbacks and Cade McNamara goes out there week one and just craps the bed. Yeah, go ahead. Give J.J. McCarthy a game. Don't say that each kid's going to start a game the week before the season starts. That's ridiculous. Because now you've got McNamara in his head going, oh man, I can't make any mistakes. I can't make any mistakes. They're going to bench me. Because you know what that's going to do? 
He's going to make mistakes. And you're going to ruin that kid. A kid that has already played for you and has already won for you. You're going to ruin him. This is a terrible move by Jim Harbaugh. But, I mean, that's not surprising. Jim Harbaugh's full of terrible moves. But, uh, again, that that's really irrelevant. This is, I mean, James, do you see any positive in doing it this way? I don't understand why you would do a QB rotation of through games. I get it. It's early in the season when you would be playing Colorado State and Hawaii, but that's the whole point of camp. Is like, it not? But, like, if you wanted to split reps in a game, that's fine. People do that all the time. But to have a confirmed starter week one and then right. have another confirmed that's, starter week two, that makes no sense. That It makes zero sense. Zero. Yeah, I mean, if you wanted to, you know, Cade's going to play the first half, JJ's going to play the second half, we'll make a decision from there. Okay, that that's normal. That's happened before. Playing a full game, and then regardless of how he plays, he's sitting the next week. To have, yeah, to have a predetermined guy for a right. completely different week when, oh, so you're looking ahead. And then the, I, I thought the whole point of coaching was you take it one game at a time. Right. And then the other thing is I, I've read several Michigan people say, oh, well, he's doing it this way because he's scared that if he doesn't play J.J. McCarthy, McCarthy's going to transfer. Okay? If he's not the best kid, he can't play. I was going to say, if you're not in love with the guy and you want to start him, Cade McNamara is a proven winner for you. And you're literally going to tell the kid that he can't play? I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. My, my thing is, is you got two guys that are on equal level. You go with the guy that has won for you already. Go with the guy that you're more comfortable with. Or that you're more used to. That, that just, just, anyways, moving on. All right. I, I got something to tell y'all. I got to fill y'all in on a little secret. It's a sports book, betus.com. They're back for their 28th year of NFL action with the industry's biggest sign-up bonus. Guys, 200% could be yours. BetUS offers their members the opportunity to cash in on all your favorite leagues, including the NFL, MLB, NBA, and much more. Hundreds of new casino games waiting for you as well, including the coolest European slots, and they have live dealers at the tables. Because here's the thing. You need a sports book with integrity, you need a sports book with longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything from live betting to MMA to golf to horse racing to esports and the wildest bets you could think of. Call today 1-800-79-BET-US. That's 1-800-79-BET-US. And they're going to walk you through setting up an account. Nobody in the industry gives better bonuses. And if you join now and mention KLWB, you'll get 200% in bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody can beat that, guys. Nobody. Head to BetUS.com to join today. That's BetUS, where the game begins. We'll take a timeout right here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. And when we return, we will walk through some LSU sound from Sage Ryan, Makai Wingo, and others here on the game 
Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers. And so we talk about betting a lot on this show. There was a crazy NASCAR bet the yesterday that, that I want to get to very quickly. So yesterday was the final race of the NASCAR regular season. It was the Coke Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona. It was supposed to be Saturday night. This is always a Saturday night race in August. However, it rained in Daytona. So they moved the race up to 9 a.m. yesterday. And in that time, they ran 175 laps. No, no, 130, 135 laps because it was a 160-lap race. Uh, they ran about 135 laps, and it started raining again. And what ended up happening was, you know how you're driving down the road, James, and it'll be sunny, and out of nowhere, just downpour? Yeah. So that happened on, at, at the NASCAR race. It, it, it hit right there on the track. Right, like just downpour. And so their tires, since they're not... They weren't driving with rain tires. Their tires couldn't grip. And so literally... You had cars, to stop the race. Well, well, they had to stop the race because about 15 cars got into an accident. They all just started piling into each other. And so you had a massive wreck. They bring all the cars down to pit road. They red flag the race for three and a half hours. And then finally, they dry the track enough. The rain stops. They get everybody out. But because of that massive wreck, and they had another big wreck earlier in the race, of the 37 drivers that started the race, only 20 of them went back out on the track for the end. And about half of those had damage to their cars. Now, in NASCAR, if your car is damaged, obviously aerodynamically, you're not going to drive as fast as you normally do. So this guy listened to a NASCAR betting podcast and he placed four bet uh, a four leg parlay on four drivers Landon Castle, Cody Ware, BJ McLeod and David Reagan to finish in the top 10. Now, these guys hadn't finished in the top 10 all year long. So their odds were wild. Like plus 2000 a piece. Like wild wild bets. And this guy placed a so it was Ware was at two, plus 2,000, McLeod was at plus 2,000, Castle was at plus 1,500, and David Reagan was at plus 950. And so the total odds were like plus 7,700 or some craziness. The guy placed a $13.49 bet to for those four drivers to finish in the top 10. And when they did, because they did, off of a free bet. It was a site credit bet. Did not use his own money. Like all of it, right? This guy cashed out $999,433.63. So I don't know if that is luck, skill, or if you're just in the good graces of the man above. But somebody liked this guy. I mean, I, I never thought I would hear some. I never thought I'd hear a gambler say that. Oh man, those wrecks saved me. Because those guys would not have finished in the top ten if it wasn't for those wrecks. 
knocking out half the field. Just wouldn't have happened. So the fact that all four of them finished in the top ten for him to win nearly a million dollars, wild. Wild. The man spent no money of his own. None. And made a million dollars. Now granted, that's going to get taxed. And that's going to get taxed pretty heavily. So in the end, he'll probably get 600000 but even so. They're probably going to tax him 40%. He'll probably get six hundred grand. But even so, you didn't spend your own money. You placed a $13 site credit bet and got six hundred grand. That is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Had to get that out there. All right, let's get to, to what we need to, to get to in this segment. Sage Ryan, the LCA product, spent some time talking with the media yesterday for LSU. And he was a five-star player coming out of high school. And he was asked, is it a blessing or a curse being a five-star player? Well, it's a, it's a lot of pressure, but it's also good for, it's, it's good to come in that highly rated because you, you have so much expect, like, expected from you, so it makes you work even harder. And it, it's just great, you know, just coming in that young that I can learn from other guys and, you know, play off of them and just just be that that guy that everybody you know expecting you to be that's a lot of expectation and, and a lot of pressure coming coming from the media and, and just from fans in general to produce early on as a five-star player and say Ryan has really done just that Jarek Bernard Converse a transfer into the LSU football program from Oklahoma State spent some time talking about how the secondary is coming along Yes, sir. It took a, a little bit of time. I mean, of course, that's expected, but we've gelled together since the spring, winter, and, of course, over the summer, and now through fall camp. So it's been pretty good, and we're gelling together, communicating, and doing good. And lastly, Makai Wingo spent some time talking about his defensive coaching staff. I just like how everyone's held accountable in the system and everything we do here. Just no one gets to slack off. No one's getting special treatment or anything like that. Greatness is expected from everyone, every single day, every time you step on campus. So that's one thing I appreciate from this staff. Football season is here, and the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to crown you the tailgating king. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin's Outdoors, and the game. Score $500 to chop specialty meats, a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, and... Tickets to both LSU and Cajun football games, and much more. If I have to say and twice, you're getting a lot. Enter the Game Rewards Club, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin's Outdoors, and The Game. Take a timeout. Wilson Alexander of The Advocate joins us on the other side for Tiger Talk. Here on a Monday, you're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Johnson throws, Boutte's got it wide open at the 10, far side, he's in for the score, hit high, hammered to left field, going back, taking a look, is Holcomb, and it's gone! Time to talk all things Bayou Bengals with the advocates, Wilson Alexander. Here is Tiger Talk on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Oh, Tiger Talk on a game week. Wilson Alexander of The Advocate joins us. Wilson, how's it going, man? 
It's good, man. We got football season actually underway now. Yeah, no, no kidding. Let's start with uh with today's press conference. You know, you were there. What'd you take away from game week presser number one for Brian Kelly? Probably the main thing uh, would be the what's going on at quarterback. That Kelly has made that decision, but that he is not going to announce it. Um, of course, we will all try to find out what it is anyway. Um, but if he gets his way, that's not going to come out until game day. Other than that, some uh, positions locked up that he that he was willing to discuss, and kind of some interesting things about um, kind of their game day routine. Something that stuck out to me was that on Sundays, uh, when they have a night game, they'll actually go to the stadium, even at home when it's hot in Tiger Stadium over the next few weeks, uh, and kind of get a little bit of work in in the morning before heading back to the hotel for the rest of the day. Uh, there's a few things that uh, stood out to me. So you, you touched on on the big thing. He's named a quarterback, but he's not going to say it until game time. But you and I both know that it's going to get out before Sunday. Um, so so let's have let's have some fun with it. A, who do you think it's going to be? And B, how soon do you think it's out? I'll start with A. I still suspect that it will be Jaden Daniels. Um, I, I say that because when we have been at practice anyway, um, Jaden has been the first person out there. Him and Garrett Nussmeyer are still, you know, splitting reps uh, and, and with the first team offense. Uh, whenever we were out there, um, which you know is not every single day, I should should point out. Um, but it, you know, he also offers uh, a lot of versatility um, and sort of the dynamic things that he can do with his legs and experience. I mean, he started three straight years at Arizona State, Jaden, excuse me, Garrett Nussmeyer, as talented as he is and will continue to be, he's never started a game um, in his college career. And so that would, you know, I think all those reasons probably put Daniels, um, you know, as a, as a favorite maybe. Um, but for B, in terms of when it gets out, um, I don't know. You know, they've been pretty tight-lipped about this whole thing throughout preseason camp, and uh, it has been a really tight competition. I mean, that's not just a facade. And, you know, I don't. There's certainly, uh, but there's more and more people find out. You know, maybe later this week. Um, but then again, you know, it might not get out actually until game day. So Jack Besh has been an interesting storyline throughout camp, dealing with some shin splints. Now he's back running with the ones as of Saturday. But, you know, there were some rumors going around that it, it was more than just shin splints. Uh, I heard a couple rumors that it could be maybe like a broken bone in the top of his foot. What do you make of that situation, and have you heard the same rumors? I hadn't heard any of those rumors. Uh, the only thing that we had heard uh, anything officially was, you know, shin splints. It was um, maybe peculiar that, you know, that it had taken him a few weeks to get on there, but you know, I remember seeing him walk out one day of the facility with that KT tape uh, down his shin, uh, you know, and, and in that area, uh, and that he was walking just fine. I never saw a boot on his foot or anything like that. Um, you know, he was still able to go in practice. Uh, most of the camp, he was dressed out. He would just be working off to the, off to the side uh, with an athletic trainer. Um, and so, but he's fully back now. He looks uh, he looks good to go. Looks. Uh, like the Jack Besh that we saw so much last year. You know, he was working with the ones because Malik Neighbors was out on Saturday, uh, and so that's kind of part of the reason that he was. But he is going to continue to ro- – he's going to rotate. He's going to be a, a key player for them. They like a while what Jack brings. He's so competitive. You know, He's got some good experience having played as much as he did as a freshman. And they're going to be rotating you know, six, seven deep 
at the wide receiver spot, and he'll be a big piece of that. Malik Neighbors is the guy you touched on. He was out Saturday with a with an ankle sprain. Uh, according to Brian Kelly, though, it doesn't appear to be too serious. Do you think he plays Sunday? Yes, he he's, he should be. Uh, he's you know had that ankle sprain like you mentioned and wasn't able to practice on Saturday. But Brian Kelly said that he's been cleared um, to or will be cleared to play or excuse me to practice uh, like and be full and go and practice this week. All signs are pointing to him being just fine for Sunday's game. Chatting with Wilson Alexander of the Advocate. Now the starting offensive line for the Tigers appears to be set, according to Brian Kelly. Will Campbell at left tackle, Miles Frazier at left guard, Garrett Dellinger at center, Anthony Bradford at right guard, and Cameron Wire at right tackle. Also, Tremont Shorts appears to be a part of that rotation. What do you make of this group, and how confident does Brian Kelly appear in this decision? This was the group that we had seen for maybe about a week and a half at this point uh, at practice. And so it, it certainly looked like it was headed in that direction. Uh, Tremond, you know, they really like what Anthony Bradford brings at guard because he's 345 pounds and six foot five. Um, he's also could play inside over to right tackle if they needed him to. And that's, you know, if something were to happen to Cam Wire, that's probably what they would do. And then Tremond Schwartz would come in at guard. They also like Tremont's size and Miles Frazier's size. So they like kind of the physicality that they have at those guard spots. Everything with this offensive line really locked into place once Garrett Dellinger solidified himself as the starting center. That was what Brian Kelly called the linchpin of this whole formation of the line. You always knew Will Campbell was going to be your left tackle, but then everything, once Dellinger showed that he could be your center um, because of the size that he has and be able to like handle some of those big nose tackles in the SEC, everything else kind of fell into place. Brian Kelly also announced today that uh, Damian Ramos will handle place-kicking duties for the Tigers. What have you seen out of Ramos, and, and what can you uh, what can you tell us about him? Well, we haven't seen a lot out of Ramos. He didn't kick at all last year, of course. You know, LCA kid York, so you weren't going uh, to right. bring him out of the game at any point. And so Ramos, he apparently kicked a 54-yard field goal during a two-minute drill in practice not so long ago. Brian Polian said that last week, and that's a good sign. Uh, they feel comfortable putting him out there from 50 to 52 yards. He's got a pretty strong leg, uh, but he's not proven. None of these kickers are, are proven uh, options. They're proven commodities at, at this level. And so that makes you feel maybe a little bit uneasy. You know, unless he's had a lot of stability at kicker for the last four years here, they're not going to quite maybe have that, or at least certainly – not proven going into the season. And maybe it shows up and ends up being just fine. Uh, but Ramos, you know, they feel comfortable with what he can do. Um, we, the only other, you know, we saw him miss a kick during a team period a few weeks ago, but that was because of a bad snap. So, you know, there's some, uh, they like what they have in him. They're not, Ryan Kelly said today that uh, they're not going to change their calculation in terms of when they kick a field goal or go for it on fourth down just because he's a kicker. Um, but he will be the starting kicker heading into the year. You know, John, the John Emery situation, we likely won't see him for the first two games, which I, I still don't quite understand. Uh, but it, anyways, who who has stepped up in that running back room behind Noah Kane? I know Armani Goodwin and uh, Trey Bradford are, are a couple names that people are looking at. Who else has stood up for this Tigers offense? Well, Trey Bradford's no longer with the team. Uh, he was uh, taken off the roster uh, before preseason camp started. But Armani is certainly one. Uh, he and Noah Kane were splitting first-team reps in practice not too long ago. 
John Emery had kind of slid down the depth chart. Maybe that's partially because of the situation that he's uh, facing here, uh, where it looks like he's going to be missing those two games. But even then, LSU is going to be going running back by committee. Um, Brian Kelly has you know, really started to say that during the spring and, and has continued to do so all the way here through the preseason. Uh, it's going to be, as he said one day, we don't have Leonard Fournette in that backfield. They're, they like some of the different things that uh, all of them can do. Uh, even Josh Williams is somebody to keep an eye on in that. They, Josh has been pretty reliable. He's a good pass blocker. Maybe, think maybe becomes maybe that third down kind of back. And so all four of those guys are going to contribute uh, to different levels this year. Um, but for the first few games, uh, as long as nothing gets changed with Emory's status, uh, which we're unsure of whether or not that's happened yet, because uh, they were trying to appeal it and, and get the instability to reconsider once again with this whole thing, uh, that it's going to be Noah Kane, Armani Goodwin, and Josh Williams. Are there any new injuries or details to note with this team? No, not right now, uh, which is, you know, knock on wood. <laughs> Brian Kelly was asked about that a couple times today, and he sort of said, well, uh, we have a week left before the game. It's like, hold on now. But he did say, you know, they only had like two soft tissue injuries at any point during camp. They've done a good job of managing these guys. They've also gotten lucky because that is always an element of luck if you're able to avoid injuries. And so right now they're in a good spot. You don't, you know, you want to knock on wood, keep your fingers crossed and everything because this is football here um, and things can change pretty quick. But um, right now they're in a good situation, uh, not expecting to miss any guys for injury reasons heading into the first game. Now, you touched on Brian Kelly's unique approach to the game day schedule. He said that on Sunday they would wake up, have breakfast, head to the Superdome for a walkthrough, and then go back to the hotel. Uh, That's very untraditional to what what most programs do. What what are your thoughts on that mindset? It is different. Uh, This wasn't something I knew that he did at Notre Dame. Maybe it was, but it it certainly is what else you did in the past at Orgeron. because you worry about guys get legs getting tired day of the game or something like that. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see because, you know, say he did this at Notre Dame and all that, you usually weren't dealing with Louisiana Heat. Um, they're going to be heading out to Tiger Stadium, though, like next week for the Southern game um, and in the weeks after that, Mississippi State, Mexico and such um, in the morning. And he said it a little bit more than just, he's just the work that we're going to work up sweat, kind of get the blood pumping a little bit. You know, he, and Brian Kelly just really has – really smart about this stuff in terms of player management your load so it's probably not going to be you know like getting a full-on workout um and you know really them out. you know he wants to kind of get them thinking about the game and, and earlier and, and not just cooped up inside the hotel all day and yeah then they'll head they'll end up heading back to the hotel for the um, and this is only going to be happening for night games of course there's no time to do that for any a game that's any earlier but yeah it's kind of an interesting approach that he that he takes to to that game day schedule that we haven't seen around here before and then lastly, you know, Florida State is the opponent for this weekend. They took down Duquesne 47-7 to over the weekend. What did you see from Florida State, if anything, that, that could really, you know, cause some concern for the Tigers? Well, it's hard to make a complete uh, and evaluation off of that game. Duquesne is not physically at the same level of Florida State or LSU not even remotely close, really. And so Florida State was able to easily dominate the line of scrimmage. Are they going to be able to do that against LSU's defensive front and some of the big guys they have on the offensive line? You know, we'll see. But clearly, this is a team that's going to try to run the football. Uh, They ran for over 400 yards and six touchdowns against Duquesne. 
And Jordan Travis showed off his athleticism as a quarterback. You know, Brian Kelly already said last week that Harold Perkins, you know, the five-star freshman, they might not be using him as like a spy linebacker because he's only going to play in sort of certain situations, especially early in the year as he kind of continues to adjust to college football. Uh, but the, you know, they're, so they're going to have to take in Travis into account and maybe that'll be one way they do it. So Florida State, you know, likes to run and, and that's probably the, kind of the biggest thing that you could take away from that game, which, because it was just such a difference in the level of those teams. Wilson Alexander of The Advocate joining us for Tiger Talk. Wilson, we previewed a game today, next Monday. I know it's Labor Day, but we're going to be doing a show. So if you are available, we can recap a game for once. Oh, I'll be available. Work doesn't really stop once football season gets underway. Yeah, you're, you're not kidding, Wilson. We really, really appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy the game this weekend, and we'll talk to you next week, my friend. Thanks for having me. I'll have a good one. Tune in next week for another edition of Tiger Talk here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Kick off week one with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Join today and get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up using promo code KLWB to get in on the action. Then you can turn game day into payday all season long. I'm looking heavy at that minus 5.5 spread for the Saints in their week one matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. You're always able to play your way and bet on more than just the final score. Wager on everything from touchdowns to total yards to even catches. You can also combine multiple bets for an even bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Don't fumble your chance to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, with promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required, bonus issues, non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions do apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Called that man a legend for a reason. James Mesh, everybody. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh, 55 after the hour. How about Rory McIlroy getting paid yesterday? Winning the tour championship. So the crazy thing about this was he started the day with a triple bogey and yet played well enough down the back stretch to win the tournament. Now, here's where it gets a little wild. So I want to say the number was $3 million for winning the tour championship. But by winning the Tour Championship, he also won the FedEx Cup. James, you know how much winning the FedEx Cup paid him? I don't know exactly, but it's got to be multi-million. $18 million. I was thinking it was going to be more five or six. Eighteen. Wow. The second, the two guys that tied for second, Sanjay Um and Scotty Scheffler, both split $5.75 million. So they each got five point seven five million. Oh yeah, the the guy that finished in dead last, he was 29th. Scott Stallings made half a mil. I'm just saying, if somebody paid me 
half a million dollars to be average. To go play some rounds of golf. And be average at it. I mean, Scott Stallings, I mean, here, here's the thing. Average at the Tour Championship is still, you know, good enough Levels, to kick my ass. Of course. But, I mean, again, the, the guy went three over for the tournament and made half a million dollars. Maybe I was pursuing the wrong sport. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> the guy went three over for the weekend and got a check for half a million dollars. I wanted to play football and basketball. I should have just gone with golf. You should have just learned how to swing the stick, bro. <laughs> That's the money maker. Either that or kick a soccer ball. Because those guys get paid too. Lord almighty. It's a lot of conditioning though. You're right about that. You're right about that. Hour number two, Saints roster predictions, some Saints sound, and a preview of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. I want to be Jimmy Garoppolo when I grow up. It's what I want. I, I want to be that man. Hour number two, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. I mean, James, six and a half million dollars to sit on the bench. I used I used to have Chase Daniel as like my hero. Oh, of course you did. Backup QB. The man who was the master manipulator still is. God, the Chargers are still paying him a wad. And now, Jimmy Garoppolo? I didn't like him, but he might might have a soft spot now. Highest paid backup quarterback in NFL history. And it was funny because Ray was like, I thought you guys said... That Trey, that they were committed to Trey Lance. Sorry, bro. I just work here. I don't know. So since two thousand and nine, now Chase Daniel has started five games. He has started five games in his career. Oh, look at you, me! You are you are right on oh the money. Oh my sir. god! And I don't even have that tab open. He has started five games in his NFL career, and I'm going to let you know that since two thousand and nine. He is in base salary, $23,904,317. His career earnings when his Chargers contract expires will pass the $41 million barrier. The man has made $41 million and has only started five games in his career. And it's even better that he's gone through all these teams. Oh, he's lived around the country. And he won't even draft it. He was an undrafted free agent. It's it's absolutely beautiful what this man has done in the league. And now don't get me wrong, Chase Daniel at Missouri was a different cat. That that was football. Good play on words. Hey, I, I, I didn't even catch it. But hey, there you go. Yeah, I no, see you, dude. Missouri was the number one team in the country. With Chase Daniel as their quarterback. 
I think he finished like third in the Heisman race that year. I mean, that was just a different team. But no, $41 million to be a backup quarterback? Yes, please. Yes, please. I hold a, I hold a clipboard and... Hell, Jimmy Garoppolo, $7 million to be a backup quarterback. Yes, please. Uh, that's easy. Oh, man. And then, say Trey Lance gets hurt. He could make up to $19 million if he hits playtime bonuses. <laughs> it's insane. God, it's in the 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 chart the 49ers have commitment issues. They just can't let go. They can't let go of Jimmy G and fully commit to Trey Lance, and I think that's a travesty. All right, James. 53 man. Let's start with linebacker. Oh, what? That's yep. such a Okay, okay. We're, we're, okay fine. I thought we were just gonna we're, go in let's, order. Let's, let's do traditional then. <laughs> let's start at quarterback. Whatever. Go. I thought Who you asked me about long snapper. I got three quarterbacks, Jameis, Andy, and Ian Book. Correct. I, I'm not huge on Ian Book either. I'm obviously higher than a lot of people. But the reason I say this is because Jameis, coming off the ACL, looked good. But for the last few weeks, he's been dealing with another injury. So let's say he goes down. Now you got Andy Dalton. I'm not totally confident that Ian Book... Now, he is a third stringer, but I'm not super confident that he'll make it through the waivers and then just go on the practice squad. You've already invested a fourth-round pick in him, and you're only two years into the contract. You're not going to drop somebody already. If you're going to drop somebody that you've drafted that highly, you're going to wait until the fourth year. You're going to wait until the last year of his contract. That way you don't take penalties on it, especially since it's a rookie deal. Yeah. Um, I mean, I agree with you. I've got three quarterbacks, Winston, Dalton, Book. Um, running backs, I've got four. Well, five, if you want to count fullback in there. Yeah. Um, Adam Prentice, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, Tony Jones Jr., Dwayne Washington. Yeah, I mean, pretty standard. You, like Initially, I didn't have Adam Prentice there, but the fact that he was out there and they were running I-formation and he was with the first team, that, that just tells me everything that he is still going to make this team. Even though I heard nothing, we usually don't hear anything about fullbacks, but to me that that secured it for him. Now I think Abram Smith, you cut him early, you cut him today a day early. That way, he will get through the waivers faster, and then you can just put him on your practice squad. Six wide receivers. Yeah, I got six as well. Uh, I'm gonna drop a bomb on you. You ready? Mm-hmm. Michael Thomas. Yeah. Chris Olave. Yep. Jarvis Landry. Deontay Hardy. Marquez Callaway, Kirk Merritt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what I saw Trey from last— doesn't make the roster. No, I don't think so either. The, the fact that Kirk, he's been so versatile. The Saints love versatile players. You can put him in multiple different spots. He's not a one-trick pony. That just screams, put me on the roster. Looking at tight end, I only have three. I don't know. I don't know about you. I know you initially were talking about how you had four, but for me, I only have three. I have Adam Trotman, Taysom Hill, and Jawan Johnson. I you were talking about JP Holtz and Lucas Kroll. I think Lucas Kroll ends up going on the practice squad. Lucas Kroll ends up on the practice squad. Yeah, I agree with you. I've got Troutman, Hill, and Jawan Johnson. Okay. Um, o line. I have 
eight. I have eight as well. Eric McCoy, Cesar Ruiz, James Hurst, Trevor Penning, because he's not on the IR yet, so he technically takes up a roster spot. Uh, Ryan Ramshack, Andrus Pete, Calvin Throckmorton, and Landon Young. Yep, I have the exact same, and I think if Trevor is going to be out for a while and they put him on the IR, I think you go out and either get somebody that's on a different roster or you just bring back Lewis Kidd. Yeah. He's a young developmental piece that you could put as a backup role. He's played a lot of snaps throughout this preseason. I think he's somebody, especially since you could put him either at guard, but he's also played some center. He, he did a little bit of center play last year, if I'm not mistaken. And the fact that Nick Martin has only played center, versatility is a huge thing. I'll keep bringing it up. Lewis Kidd feels like that guy since See, he's also younger than Nick Martin and Josh Andrews, who are 29, 31. I don't like that we're agreeing so much, but uh, great minds think alike, right? Yeah. Crazy how that works. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. I've got four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight on the D-line. I have nine. You have nine. Okay. Cam Jordan. Yeah. Peyton Turner. Marcus Davenport. Shy Tuttle. Carl Granderson, Tano Passigno, Malcolm Roach, David Onyemata. I have Cam Jordan, Onyemata, Davenport, Passigno, Tuttle, Peyton Turner, Carl Granderson, Malcolm Roach, and then Contavious Street. Oh, really? Yeah. You like Contavious Street? Initially, I didn't have him. I had I had Jordan Jackson, but it, I haven't seen anything from, from Jordan. They may... They may well, keep him, but I think you could very easily waive him, let him go through waivers, and then you just put him on your practice squad. It'll it'll be a rookie deal. He was a seventh rounder. Yeah, I mean, I like him. I just I think it's one of those things where you kind of run out of room, and he's just that guy that's left out. It, again, you know, it's the same thing with with wide receiver. In a normal year, Traquan Smith probably makes the roster again. But you draft Chris Olave in the first round. Kirk Merritt performed well in preseason and is versatile. And then Marquez Callaway continued doing what he... I mean, it's not that Traquan Smith's necessarily a bad receiver. It's just the odd man out. He hasn't shown up on... He hasn't shown up on the tape. He hasn't yep. showed up on the stat sheet. I agree. Like, if, you're, if this is your four for you, and this is your proven year, and preseason you're going against third and four stringers when you were supposed to be the first stringer last year, right? and you haven't shown up, that just tells me you're off the roster. I don't care if you're good at blocking. I don't care if the Saints like you because you can block. What, if what you can't receivers... get open you and you aren't doing it consistently, right? the only time that he got on film from last Friday's game was because of the crazy catch that happened. Mm -hmm. That was the only reason. Yep. That didn't even count. No accounting. It counts as oh, a catch. It just didn't count as a touchdown. That, yeah, that's, that's they they called the play dead, which that's another thing that irks me is why are you calling a play dead if the player who has the ball in his hand didn't get tackled and didn't go out of bounds? NFL officiating. I don't get it. NFL officiating. It's so premature. Oh, 100%. I, 100%. But, I mean, th this is the same group that, that called or didn't call a blatantly obvious pass interference call. And uh, another one who missed, a, I mean, whether you like it or not, Kyle Rudolph pushed off. 
Is that the reason the Saints lost the game? No. Kyle Rudolph pushed off. 100%. I'll, I'll never not say that. I'll watch it back every time he pushed off. But that's an argument for another day. Linebackers. I've got seven, potentially eight. I only have six. Okay. Who you got? Well, of course, you got to start with tomorrow, and you got to have Pete Warner. Mm-hmm. You got Eric Wilson. Mm-hmm. He's played a huge amount of the snaps, and he's made plays. He's made a bunch of tackles. He's been really good. John Bostic. Mm-hmm. I think he also makes it. He got in late, but he's been making plays as well. Uh, I think he's got a good shot. Caden Ellis has been a mainstay mm-hmm. for the Saints. And the last guy, I hate to say it, I, I initially was thinking Chase Hansen. I was initially thinking Nafai Sewell, but looking at depth charts, I hate to say it, but Zach Vaughn makes it. I hate to say it. So here, here's my seven and potentially eighth. Davis, Warner, Ellis, Bostic, Wilson, Hansen, Sewell, and if you go eight, then you go Zach, Zach Vaughn. Vaughn. Interesting. Okay. That's my thought. But my but looking at it, I have Hanson, Andrew Dowell, and Nafai Sewell all as practice squad guys. That'll make it. Because they're yeah. all because they're all young. And, and and my thought process with Zach Vaughn is once Pinning takes an IR spot, if you don't go the logical thing would just be to get another O lineman. But if you don't go that route, you could bring in an eighth linebacker. You always want to have at least eight. Yeah. Because you want to have three tackles three guards and then two centers but the t- you have flexibility with either Ruiz or if you lose pinning you do kid DBs we've got 10 of them I have 10 as well Matthew yep. Lattimore May Johnson Gardner Johnson Paulson Adebo Alante Taylor JT Gray Bradley Roby Justin Evans and PJ Williams I have the exact same 10 Justin Evans, to me, the Saints had five turnovers, and he was a part of the the first pick against the Texans, and then he forced that fumble to begin the second half against the Chargers. And he's made secure tackles, and he's been good on special teams. To me, he should earn a roster spot. Because if he he doesn't make it here, he is going to be a really good, at-worst, backup safety for someone else. Yeah, agreed. And then kicker, Will Lutz. Punter, Blake Gillikin, long snapper, Zach Wood. Yep. I mean, there was no other competition there. No. <laughs> no. Special teams was the only secure place when it comes to the snapper, kicker, and punter. So, our, our biggest disagreement was linebacker. Well, no, the numbers on the D-line, the, just the front seven. Yeah. Because uh, I've got Hanson and Sewell making it, and you don't. Yeah. Uh, so, that was probably our biggest disagreement. But, all in all... I think the narrative on the Saints is crap. You know, there there's these there's media members and, and even fans that just don't buy into the Saints. Now, I'm not sitting here saying, "Oh, Saints are going to go undefeated and win the Super Bowl." No, I don't think that. I don't even think they're top seed in the NFC. I think they win the NFC South. I think they go 11 and six, maybe 12 and five. They're the three seed in the playoffs. And, you know, they get to the divisional round. 
maybe they get lucky in the divisional round and make it to the conference championship game. But I don't see the Saints going to the Super Bowl this year. Now, next year? This feels like a re- good retooling season to help build foundation next, to, to make like a, super, a real, real right. Super Bowl run next year. Next year, Jameis stays healthy, gets a whole nother year, gets a full year of starting under his belt in New Orleans. Gets that contract extension. Gets that contract extension. Olave gets a year under his belt. You've got some young guys in the secondary that get experience under their belt. Tyron Matthew and Jarvis Landry develop in this system. Next year, I think you make a run at it. And then Trevor Penning will be in a year yeah. two. Yeah, I think I think next year you make a run at it. This year, I think if you win the division and make a, somewhat of a run in the playoffs, especially for year one for Dennis Allen, I think that's, that's a major success. Major success. Uh, so we'll see what happens with the New Orleans Saints. They open the season on September 11th against the Atlanta Falcons in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Lines at five and a half. That is a, it's an intriguing line to, to take, to say the least. Let's go to the game hotline before we take a timeout. Chris joins the show. Chris, what's up? Hey, a couple of quick Saints questions real quick. Um, I don't know if you guys do fantasy football or not, but whether you do or not, I have two, two players I want to ask you about. With Alvin Kamara, where do you see the suspensions coming? Because um, I know that we kind of stopped talking a bit about it, but I know he could be suspended. And Taysom Hill, um, is he is he going to be like a surprise tight end for the Saints? Um, what, what do you all see him as far as being a tight end? Thank you all. Who that? And have a great day. Appreciate the call, Chris. So the Kamara question, he's not getting suspended this year. It's not happening. Um, whether I agree with that or not, whether I would rather it just happen and get it over with or not is, is quite irrelevant because the NFL is not going to suspend him this year. It's just not going to happen. Uh, they still have a whole lot more to dig through before they're ready to to hand down a punishment on Alvin Kamara. And then when it comes to Taysom Hill, I think if you get him in your 15th, 16th round, like obviously don't touch him until you're yeah, back not, three I'm rounds. I'm not spending a high pick on him, but I mean... Because he'll be, he'll be your backup tight end. And in case your tight end does go down, you can put him in, and at any point, he, he's like a he's like a firecracker. All of a right. sudden, he, he could get you seventy yards, have a couple carries, and have two touchdowns. And like Chris, we've seen that multiple times, over and over and over again. And Chris, to also answer your question, yes, we do fantasy football. Um, I'm in four leagues, and James, you're in three three leagues, three, but one of them's a dynasty. I have four leagues this year, so. Yeah, I, I say I'd say we dabble in, in fantasy football, and I've commissioned the leagues since 2014. Yep. So, the Houston Astros—we haven't talked about them a whole lot today, but they have their sights set on another run of the World Series, and the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants you to see them live in person. Houston takes on the Tampa Bay Rays Saturday, October 1st, and you can be there with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Register in the game clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston Downtown, and The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll take a timeout, bring you some audio from the New Orleans Saints, and then at 5.30, Charlie Porter of 247 Sports covering the University of Alabama. 
will join us for a preview into Nick Saban, Bryce Young, and the Crimson Tide. Don't move a muscle. We're back after this on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Dennis Allen met with the media today, or yesterday, actually, and he had a lot to to say. Here is Dennis Allen talking about wanting to get Jameis Winston and other players some much-needed reps. You know, wanted to get Jameis out there and in some game action. It's been a while since he's been in that environment, you know, and obviously he didn't get the, those practice reps against Green Bay. You know, Jarvis Landry's a new player to our system, so it was good to kind of get him out and, and, and play, you know, have a few plays in the dome. It was good that we got, you know, Marcus May and Tyron Matthew out there playing together. So, you know, obviously we're going to take a look at the, at the film, and there's certainly a lot of things that we still have to clean up, but overall pleased with the result. Dennis Allen also spent some time talking about his thoughts on the 27-10 win over the Chargers. Yeah, good to get a win. It was good to see, you know, offensively. I thought there in the first half, I thought we had some pretty good rhythm offensively. I thought we did some really good things, both Jameis and Andy at the quarterback position. I thought Mark and Alvin, you know, had a couple of nice runs in there. You know, it was good to, you know, get some points. It was good to get some points at the end of the first half and, and operate the two-minute drive like we did. Uh, defensively, we started out, you know, with a three and out, which was good. I didn't like the explosive play or the third and long was probably a, not a, not my best call that I've ever made. You know, and they ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive. Didn't think we tackled as good as we needed to in the first half, but I thought we kind of responded in the second half. We were much better on third down in the second half. I thought we t- tackled a lot better, and you know, we did what we needed to do to win the game. Jameis Winston spent some time talking about how being back on the field means more to him than just a couple of pass completions. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I was happy we had a great balance uh, of the pass and the run, you know. But, like, my gratitude for being out there is way more important than complete passes. Like, I, I had a season where I didn't finish, so I'm, I was, I'm thankful. That, that means a lot more to me uh, than, than completions. Don't you love to hear that? A guy that just wants to be there. You know, it's not about... That's one thing I've always loved about Jameis Winston. It's never been about, you know, winning a trophy or even really winning games. Jameis is just happy to be playing football. And, And that's huge. That's a huge mentality to have in your locker room because that starts to rub off on other people. And don't get me wrong, winning's always important. But sometimes you just got to be happy to be doing it. So that that's a huge, huge mindset for for the Saints locker room. Mark Ingram also met with the media post game and spent some time talking about his thoughts on the first team offense. Felt like we did good. I mean, we obviously we had a few penalties that took away some um, good plays, but uh, just cleaned that up, and I think we were able to overcome it and um, you know put together two good drives and score touchdowns. So. It's definitely what you want, and um, it's clean a few things up, but I think uh, we started out really well as far as coming out the gate, first possession, getting down there, long drive, successful plays. Obviously, the penalties want to get rid of those, but we were able to get in zone despite, you know, the bad things that we did. So, it was great. James, I don't know if if you know this, but – there's a lot of high school football that's going to get played on our, our stations this fall. 
Oh, I know. Like a lot. Yeah. We're, we're a very popular radio station when it comes to high school football. Well, actually, we're a very popular radio station in general, but the, the point is, is high school football. So here, here's how this is going to go this season. St. Thomas Moore is going to play right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette. Acadiana High is going to be on MeTV 97.7. Karen Crow High on Z1059. Southside High on Mustang 107.1. The Vermilion Parish Game of the Week is going to be on 106.3 Radio Lafayette. St. Landry Parish Game of the Week is going to be on News Talk 98.5. And Barb is going to be on the Game 104.1 in Lake Charles. Make sure to get the station's free mobile apps to listen to your favorite teams at home or on the road. Delta Media is your home for Friday night football. I will be doing color commentary for the Southside High Sharks on Mustang 107.1. So if you are a Southside parent, fan, what have you, and say you can't make a game and you want to look for, for updates online, Follow Mustang 1071 or the game on social media or myself at Miguez Matt, and we will be posting updates on social media throughout the games and not just for Southside, for all of our schools. So follow our stations, get the apps. We'll keep you in the know with everything relating to high school football. Take a time out right here when we return. Charlie Porter of On the Line, Alabama, the 247 sports page will join us for a preview of the Crimson Tide before the season gets underway this weekend. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Yeah, taxes, take that. We're just better than you. It's crunch time with me guys and mesh on the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 35 minutes after the hour. Let's talk about the Alabama Crimson Tide before they make the trip to Death Valley. Charlie Potter of 247 Sports covering Bama on the line. Charlie, thanks for taking the time, man. How are you? I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me. So let's start with question one, and this is an obvious question. Nick Saban is the greatest coach of all time. Being able to cover him from your perspective, what does he do differently, if anything, in your opinion, that just puts him above the rest? Um, I don't know if there's anything just completely different than what other coaches are doing, especially now that you see coaches trying to emulate a lot of what Alabama does, especially the, the coaches that have been uh, in that building. But um, I think he pays attention to the details. It's all about the little things. Um, you know, I mean, he's he's made a living off of that process that he talks about, and that's not being necessarily goal-oriented, but focusing on your job and doing what you need to do to help the team. And when you do that, obviously the the team benefits and you usually are successful. So, I mean, you know, he's he's a hell of a recruiter, I think, first and foremost. But then there are other coaches across the country that are great recruiters, but you don't necessarily develop those players into, you know, their full potential. And then first-round NFL draft picks, well, Nick Saban and Alabama do. So, 
yeah, I don't I don't think it's just he has this secret um you know uh formula or anything to to the success that he's been able to have over the course of his now sixteen year career in Tuscaloosa, but he does the little things right. Um they focus on the details and making sure um you know, it's a, it's a tightly run ship, and for the most part, when that's happened, and that's damn near every year, Alabama's been really successful. Now, you know, Bryce Young at quarterback winning the Heisman Trophy last year, leading Bama to the national championship game. He's looking to expand on what was already a stellar season. Talk about his offseason and what he's looked like so far in camp. Yeah, I don't think with Bryce it's just he needs to improve a ton. I mean, coming off the Heisman Trophy, you know, he did a lot uh, really well last year. But I think for him, he's really focused on his leadership and bringing some of the other players on the offensive side of the ball along with him because Alabama, it's well documented, they have to replace a lot from last year's team, whether it's you know both starting tackles on the offensive line, all three starting receivers from last year's team, a ton of production at that position. And so getting the best out of his receivers, out of the other players around him in that huddle, uh, has been a key point of emphasis, and you know, just you know, that comes with communication, with chemistry, with reps, and you know, being a leader, uh, someone that's a returning captain for this team. Um, I think he's he's done a lot of that this season, uh, taking that kind of taking the reins on that front. And um, yeah, I think with Bill O'Brien back as his offensive coordinator, that familiarity there. You know, Bryce is once again poised for a big season. Now it's going to take some of these players to step up around him, and it sounds like some of them have done that, whether at running back, at um, at uh, wide receiver, now on the offensive line with it coming together. So if he can, you know, just continue to play at a high level like he did last season and get these guys to, to make plays around him, then this offense can be really special once again. Looking at the backfield, Trey Sanders and Roydell Williams are two names coming back from last year you also bring in Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech talk about this group and how they've progressed in the offseason after losing Brian Robinson yeah I mean most teams when they lose a bell cow like Brian Robinson it's going to be tough to to replicate the success of the running back position but Alabama probably feels better about the running back group than it did last year and that's because of the players they have coming back you have Jace McClellan and Royda Williams who were um, who missed the second half of the season with knee injuries. Uh, Trey Sanders was still kind of gaining that confidence back after a car accident in the 2020 season. Um, and then you add a guy like Jameer Gibbs to the mix. And they've also added a couple of, of top 100 running backs from the recruiting ranks. And um, you know, I think they feel really good about that position group. Jameer Gibbs is, is poised to be a, a special addition to this offense via the transfer portal. But um, – I think Jace McClellan, he's been fully healthy now for a while, coming off of that ACL injury last year. And uh, I think both Gibbs and McClellan can provide Alabama with a really lethal one-two punch. They could really roll four deep, though, at the running back position with four juniors with Roydo Williams and Trey Sanders as well. But you know, Gibbs is going to be on the field a lot. I think they can utilize him in a lot of different ways, even split him out wide and utilize his ability as a, as a receiver. And then, you know, Jace McClellan, uh, he was well on his way to, to being solidly the number two running back, but taking a lot of carries away from Brian Robinson last year before his injury. So, yeah, it's, it's one of the deepest position groups on Alabama's roster. And um, I think having Gibbs and, and McClellan as receiving threats can only help this offense. You're now replacing 
two guys at wide receiver that went over a thousand yards in John Mechie and Jamison Williams. Slade Bolden, who had a big role in the offense, departs as well. Who do you like in that wide receiver room to step up this year? Yeah, I mean, it's an inexperienced group. It's talented, but there's not a lot of veteran players, at least not in an Alabama uniform on this roster. Um, I do think that adding the guy like Jermaine Burton from Georgia via the transfer portal uh, was big. He's been Alabama's most consistent wide receiver throughout the offseason, whether it was when he stepped on campus and spring drills over the summer and now in preseason camp. Yeah, he's been a, a big addition for this team, and he's was listed as a starter with the depth chart came out today. A player I thought would be a starter, but it's still going to be a, a big-time piece for this offense is Ja'Cory Brooks, who, as a true freshman last year, uh, really came on at the end whenever Jamison Williams and John Mechie were sidelined by their injuries. Um, and then they, they needed other guys to step up. I think they knew what they had in Burton and Brooks. They felt good about that duo. But they needed more guys to be more consistent. And a couple of guys that were standouts in the, the scrimmages in the last couple of weeks were Treshawn Holden, who's going into his uh, third year in the program. He was listed as a starter today. And then a true freshman in, in Kobe Prentice has taken advantage of the opportunity he's received. Uh, he's said to start coming out of the slot. And you know, that was a position where JoJo Earl, who played a lot as a true freshman last year, had really made strides and would probably be the, the starter had he not suffered a, a foot fracture and was set to miss um, you know, the next month or so because of it. And they have some, some other players that I think can step up. Uh, a guy like Tyler Harold, the transfer from Louisville, comes to mind. But it's there's a lot of available bodies. There's a lot of talent. It's just they have to do so or do that on a consistent basis. And uh, if they can, I think this receiving core can be really special. I don't know if it's going to have a pair of 1,000-yard receivers like last year, but they can certainly you know, replace some of that production and some of that downfield ability that, that Jamison Williams and John Mechie presented. Now, looking at the Tides O-line, there are three starters coming back. Which guys have been the most impressive thus far? Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting because they've kind of mixed things around a little bit. Um, you have Emil Ekior, who's the veteran in the group back at right guard. That's where he should start if healthy. Uh, Darian Dalcourt missed the last um, three games of the season with a nagging ankle injury, and he didn't do much in the spring either. He's back and should start at center. But then you have JV and Cohen, who started 14 games at left guard. He's a guy, though, that missed some time over the summer. Um, you know, he he you know took a step away and, and focused on his mental health, which kudos to him for for recognizing that. But that's opened the door for another program vet, a, a six-year senior, and Kendall Randolph to really work with the first team a lot this preseason. Um, and with that, it's kind of solidified the, the tackle spots a little bit because Randolph was a guy working at tackle. Uh, in the spring, he kind of exited spring drills as a starter there. But obviously, Alabama went out and, and via the transfer portal again added a talented player in, in Tyler Steen, who you know, had three years of starting experience at Vanderbilt, and he's a guy that uh, has really entrenched himself as the, the left tackle these last couple weeks. And J.C. Latham, um, I think he's really poised to, to take a huge step this this season. He's the youngest of the group, uh, a true sophomore, but a former five-star recruit. Uh, he and spring drills worked at right tackle. He did so in the summer. He's done so all fall camp. And, um, and while they do have a lot of experience, um, guys that have played a lot of minutes 
a lot of football at Alabama. I think J.C. Latham has a really high ceiling and I think can really solidify that offensive line if he plays up to his potential. Talking with Charlie Potter on, of Bama Online 24-7. Defensively, Charlie, seven starters return, including the phenom and Will Anderson Jr., in my opinion, probably should have won the Heisman last year. Should definitely win it this year if he has any resemblance of 2021. You know, what's his mindset heading into this season? Uh, Will Anderson's hungry. Uh, I, I know a lot of attention is going to be placed on him, and, and rightfully so, whether it's from you know, a media perspective, opposing offensive coordinators. But he also benefits from having uh, some talented players at his position, Dallas Turner being the, the top one. You know, coming off of the season last year, he had eight and a half sacks in the second half of the season. Um, there's some playmakers around him to where offenses can't just game plan to stop 31 because if you double team 31, that's a guy not on the other side of the line of scrimmage uh, blocking 15 who can create some havoc. So I think Will's, again, poised for another huge season. We talked to him earlier today, and he's just talked about how he can't stop smiling because the season's here. He's really excited to get things underway to to see this defense, which he's really praised throughout the preseason um, for his potential and the way it's come together. So, yeah, I mean, Will Anderson's the unquestioned leader of the defense, um, but they also have several veterans at other spots, whether linebacker, a defensive line safety, and um yeah, I think I, I don't know if he's going to go out and break um, Derek Thomas's uh, school record for sacks, but I think he's going to have another productive year. And if he if he does so, I think yeah, he's certainly deserving for at the very least a trip to New York for the Heisman ceremony. Two more for you. Talked about the secondary a little bit. Kool Aid McKinstry, Eli Ricks, and Jordan Battle are three big names kind of roaming that secondary. What do you like about this group? Yeah, I think. The secondary is the most interesting right now because looking at the depth chart that Alabama gave us today, uh, there's no set starter at either cornerback spot. Uh, and they've talked about it a lot in preseason camp, how there's really essentially a four-man race. You have Kool-Aid McKinstry and Kyrie Jackson coming back as, as last year's starters to close the year. Uh, you have Eli Ricks coming in from LSU. who Everybody knows what he was able to do as a true freshman, but is coming off a shoulder injury last year and has kind of been hampered throughout his time at Alabama so far by various setbacks. And then you have Terry and Arnold, uh, a redshirt freshman um, who really didn't play much, if any at all, last year, uh, who's really uh, taken a, a big step and, and pushed the older players on the team, or at the very least the, most, the more experienced players. So corner will be really fascinating to see how it plays out this week and, and really – over the course of the, the first month of the season. Uh, but beyond that, there's a lot of experience. You have Jordan Battle and DeMarco Hellams back at safety. I think they could be you know, the best safety duo in the country. And then you have a guy like Brian Branch who plays in the slot at the, the star position, who I think is one of the more underrated players in Alabama's defense. Malachi Moore uh, is also there. He can play the money as the sixth defensive back in Alabama's dime package. And you know that gives them a, a quartet of uh, experienced players at the safety position. But for the, the secondary, I think it can be a special group. It's just really going to depend on the development and progress and consistency of those corners. And can you, and can you give us our, your thoughts on the 2022 schedule? The marquee matchups are Texas, LSU, and Auburn. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's a manageable schedule. Um, October is a real bugaboo. Um, I know A&M is the game a lot of people have circled on October 8th, but they have to go to Arkansas the week before, and then they got to go to Tennessee the week after. That three-game stretch is, is really going to test this team, I think. Um, you look at after the bye week, they have two straight road games at LSU and Ole Miss. That's another interesting one. I'll be interested to see what happens on the other side of the state at Auburn this season. There's a, a lot of eyeballs on Brian Harson and that program, and that'll determine you know what this matchup will look like uh, come late November. It's in Tuscaloosa though, and Alabama usually plays well against Auburn at home. So um, I, I look kind of elsewhere on the schedule. Texas in a couple weeks will be uh, intriguing, obviously. But October, uh, it's make or break time for Alabama. I think, again, it's, it's a manageable schedule. I think they can easily go 12-0, and get to Atlanta, and again to the college football playoff. But, you know, there's some, some landmines along the way, and, and some that are maybe in spots that people aren't looking right now. I, I don't think Arkansas or even Tennessee are going to sneak up on anybody, but a lot of attention is going to be on the A&M game, the Iron Bowl, like you said, even Texas Week 2. But there's some some games on there against conference opponents that Alabama's going to have to, to play well, or else it could be you know a, a mishap for them. Charlie Potter of Bama Online 247 joining us here for a preview of the Crimson Tide. Charlie, really appreciate you taking the time, man. Great insight, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you down the line. All right, thanks for having me. We'll take a timeout, wrap up today's show on the other side. You're listening to The Game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. They could debate who should win the MVP, but they'd rather argue who has the best hair in sports talk radio. We just wash the hair. You know, I worked on the hair a long time, and you, and you hit it. It hits my hair. Now back to more of the stylish crunch time with Miguez and Mash here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Let's take a look at our poll question. Just realized we haven't done that yet. Which Saints players won't make the final 53-man roster? Traquan Smith, Daniel Sorensen, Nick Vanette, all of the above. First of all, let me say thank you for the poll participation. 91 votes is by far the largest that we have had on Crunch Time with Miguel Zemesh. So appreciate that. Uh, so far, 20.9% say Traquan Smith. 29.7% say Daniel Sorensen. 16.5% say Nick Vanette. 33% say all of them. None of them are staying. James, do, do you do you agree with the, the masses? I agree that all three of them are not going to be on the roster. Yeah. That's I like I like the comment though of you try and trade for a conditional pick with the with Traquan Smith. Try to get some value out of it. Yeah. Because somebody's gonna sign him. Like he could very easily go to Chicago and help their receiving core because they need it. But try to get something out of it. Yeah, no, for ab- absolutely. Absolutely. So definitely looking forward to seeing what the Saints do overnight tonight and into tomorrow. The roster's gotta be down to fifty three by tomorrow afternoon. So tomorrow's show will recap all of that. Plus, guys, we got a big surprise for y'all tomorrow. We're not going to tell you what it is. We're just going to wait for you to find out tomorrow. Uh, just make sure you're, just make sure you're tuning in during the 4 o'clock hour of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. 
want to take this opportunity to thank Wilson Alexander and Charlie Potter for joining us today. James Mesh, appreciate everything you do. I'm Matt Miguez reminding you to be safe, be well, give a hug to your mom and them. Stay classy, Acadiana. And we will talk to you tomorrow on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game, it's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.